0: This past summer, when the Supreme Court uh, struck down the 1973 ruling of Roe v. Wade, which made abortion legal in our country, we suddenly realized how much abortion had become ingrained in our American mind as a right. It took about 50 years to repeal a court ruling that enshrined legalized abortion, and it took about, I think, a week, maybe less, to see that repealing that law after so long wasn't going to change people's minds on what morality was when in regards to abortion. I won't say that changing the law hasn't accomplished anything, but I think it's quite obvious that changing the law hasn't created a culture of life in our country. What is a culture of life? When we say that, what do we mean? that phrase. I think for many it, it's meant, up to this point, that we protect the unborn, that we don't have the death penalty, that we don't resort to euthanasia. We often associate the pro-life cause to avoiding certain things that kill people. I think it's true that a truly pro-life culture includes these things, and does these things, and strives for these things, but it must include so much more, so much more than that. It's like saying, you might say that marriage is about legitimizing the procreative act. That may be true, it does that, but marriage is meant to be so much more than simply regulating procreation. If we have any notion that legalizing a culture of life is possible, or legislating a culture of life is possible, I think we can drop that notion now. As I mentioned in the bulletin article this week, Laws can be changed. They can come and go. What they represent is the culture that lives under them. I feel like we've spent 50 years trying to argue people into living a pro-life way. We've been trying to tell them what the problems of abortion are. We've warned them about all the evils that come from having legalized killing of, of the infants in our nation, but hasn't won people over even when all of the things that we said or show, said about what happen if, if we have abortion have been shown to be true for the most part, it still isn't enough to convince people. When we choose to depart from God's plan for our lives, we see what happens. When we separate sex from marriage, when we try to separate the unitive and the procreative aspects of the one flesh union, we end up biting ourselves or getting bitten. It's the Garden of Eden all over again. Without understanding and respecting all aspects of how we were created, we end up suffering. In the area of procreation, we see trying to have a union without being open to children always leads us to a place where there's unwanted pregnancies, and that in turn leads to abortion. So trying to control this aspect of our lives apart from God's plan leads to dysfunction in our world and to disappointment with ourselves, dissatisfaction. It's not until we acknowledge that we are responsible for our choices that we begin looking for a savior, for the things that we can't fix ourselves. It's when I see that what I've done and how I've done things and that I can't fix these things, it's then that we start to look for an answer to these questions on our hearts. These things didn't lead me to freedom, they didn't lead me to happiness, it didn't provide what I wanted it to. And until that point, when we find ourselves in that place where we recognize our, our freedom, so called freedom, is not going to bring us what we need or what we want, it's then that we start looking for answers. When I see my own brokenness for having exactly what I want, it's then that I need a Savior. I think every person has to find themselves going through that epiphany where they come to that recognition before a savior seems like a nice idea or a helpful thing or a necessary thing. So I think we might be better served through a different pro-life approach perhaps. Legislation has shown itself to be of limited means when it comes to changing people's minds and changing the culture. At least we can be certain that it's not enough on its own. It can't stand alone as a solution to bring about the end of the culture of death and a beginning to the culture of life. So what what does a renewal in the pro-life movement look like for us? Perhaps, Perhaps it's simpler than we think. Perhaps it's simpler than what we thought it might be. Maybe it's just simply following Jesus. After all, Jesus, when he came, he didn't say solve all the world's problems. That wasn't his command. He spoke about some of the things that we're seeing today and were the same back then, the problems that people saw. He talked about caring for the poor. He cured the sick. He spoke about the importance of marriage. He told us often of the danger of putting our hope in riches or earthly things or worldly power. But he didn't start a crusade against slavery, which was a common thing in that day, or infanticide, which was common at that time, or prostitution. He didn't start a hunger strike for world peace, which was a problem at that time. All of those things were big problems. Jesus didn't seek out world leaders and try to influence their decisions or their policies. He didn't have the money to do so, and if he had, I don't think he would have gone about that. He came to found a community, to begin a church, a community rooted in the love that Jesus himself lived with his Father and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' solution to the problems of the world was to invite people to follow him. I think he is still offering us this same solution to our problems. There will always be injustices in our midst. And cruelty and violence and poverty. And to strive as we may, and strive as we may to end these things, we are powerless to do so on our own. But when we begin to follow Jesus, we can begin to end those things, at least in ourselves, right? When we follow Jesus we are transformed, and therein lies a path by which things can change, perhaps. The last 50 years, we have seen an ever-decreasing number of people who are faithfully following Jesus. Is it any wonder, then, that our problems continue to multiply? We can throw money at our problems. We can do all kinds of work from a human perspective. But it won't make much difference as long as people aren't being drawn into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the one who heals us. We don't heal ourselves. Once we know Jesus, then our hearts will begin to desire what he desires. And then we will see change in ourselves, and hopefully in those around us as well. The Catholic moral tradition is beautiful. It's a beautiful way to live. It leads to a way of respecting each other, of holding the dignity of each person, but it's only attainable while we live in union with Christ. And even then, it's an ongoing struggle for us. An inner conversion is always at work. To a world full of individuals who are so focused on feeding every desire or shirking every responsibility that is uncomfortable, we may have to accept that our best way of helping them is not simply telling them, where they are wrong, or legislating laws where they are wrong, or pointing out the things that they have done wrong, but perhaps, rather, it is to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus ourselves, to try to be an example, a witness, and be transformed ourselves. If we are transformed by our own encounter with Jesus, then maybe we can offer an icon, an image, for our brothers and sisters who at this time are living in darkness, who don't know Jesus and don't trust his ways are better than their own ways. Jesus' way is always open to us. Come, let us follow him.